Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You talk about COVID in various forms and where it's headed. This is new, what is it, the XBB.1.5 mutation. So we'll have um, more detailed information on that for you tomorrow. But I was curious, I was just wondering... How do pharmaceutical companies create new vaccines and boosters and other antiviral treatments for COVID variants um, for a complete age range of Canadians when we don't know until the variant has established often that it's even present in populations? How does this work? And are governments, and particularly the current federal government, a help or a hindrance? Paul Lucas is the former president and CEO of GlaxoSmithKline in Canada, and uh, he joins us. How are you, Paul? Good, Roy. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's been a while since we spoke last. It has been. It's been quite a while. Um, I didn't think I'd be talking with you uh, again, but uh, here we are. Here we are. And and so let me begin with the question. How does, and you're, you have a science background. You're not solely a successful business leader. How how do pharmaceutical companies prepare for vaccines and or booster shots for, in this case, a COVID variant when we don't know what the variant is until it's established? Yeah, it's it's a challenge. There's no doubt about that. And I'll, I'll try not to get too technical on this. Um, but um, the good news is that um, uh, vaccine development for COVID is ongoing. I mean, it, it will continue for years to come. Um, if you look at if you look at the regular seasonal flu, um, it comes back every year, and the companies are continually developing modified vaccines for for flu. And the same thing is going on with COVID. Um, the the real challenge with COVID is, and you you kind of nailed it there. Um, the the virus uh, mutates so rapidly that it's creating um, all of these variants. And uh, that doesn't usually happen as quickly with influenza, uh, but it is happening with COVID. And um, therefore, the, the development needs to be more rapid um, and more frequent. So there's a continual process going on uh, amongst the companies who produce COVID vaccines to, to follow and hopefully predict what kinds of vaccines uh, need to be developed for COVID. And as you know, there's been, you know, five to six significant variances of, uh, of COVID. And uh, the good news is that uh, companies know how to produce uh, COVID vaccines now. Uh, I think we've seen that over the last number of years. It's been quite remarkable how quickly vaccines have been developed for the new variants. And they work well. Um, so, you know, you, everybody's familiar with the mRNA vaccines, and there's other ways of producing these vaccines. But the companies continually work with uh, WHO, with CDC, with public health, 
And they're monitoring the environment, the epidemiology of this virus uh, on an ongoing basis to determine, you know, which ones are going to be virulent. Uh, because the reality is, is this, this mutates all the time, and often the mutation isn't, isn't serious. So it's really identifying which ones are going to be serious and therefore which ones uh, we need a vaccine for. And then it's just a matter of um, determining, you know, is it a new variant that needs a new vaccine or uh, do we just need a booster? Um, should they uh, create combinations of various uh, variant uh, forms of the virus? So that's going on on an ongoing basis, and it's uh, going to go on for for the next uh, number of decades, I suspect. Uh, COVID's going to be around a long time. And uh, again, uh, going back to influenza, the regular influenza that we see every year, um, continual development going on. And in fact, the last pandemic we had, which most people don't remember, is 2009, which was the H1N1 virus. Mm -hmm. That variant is actually in uh, today's flu vaccine that everybody gets. So it's been around a long time and will continue to be around a long time as well. Yeah. Very interesting to know that because you, you wonder how you know, we're playing catch up with this virus. How do the pharmaceutical companies deal with that? Now, there's another there's a new story today on Global News. Teresa Wright is the reporter. A mucosal vaccine could be a COVID-19 game changer. So why doesn't Canada have one? Uh, mucosal vaccine. Could you explain to us what that does? I'm sorry, Roy, I just couldn't hear you there. The mucosal vaccine. So we don't have one, but it could be a COVID-19 game changer, writes Teresa Wright on Global News. We don't yeah, have one I'm in Canada. I'm not that familiar with that one at this point, but uh, a, a new way of developing vaccines, and that's happening all the time. I mean, you know, mRNA is a whole new way of producing COVID vaccines and vaccines in general, and they'll use that technology. There'll be new technologies, uh, cell culture uh, processes and so on to develop new vaccines going forward. So the whole the whole area of vaccine development is is exploding. Okay. So so how do you respond and react to the concerns that are expressed and I hear it all the time if I talk about vaccines or I talk about COVID and I was talking about whether kids should uh, I was asking the question whether parents had concerns about the kids playing contact sport after what we saw in Cincinnati. On Monday, we started getting calls from people who wanted to talk about vaccines being negative for, for kids, and it wasn't even the subject. But there's there's a there's a drift toward that. Whenever I have a conversation with people about any number of issues, how do you approach the cynicism that exists toward vaccine development, Paul? Well, it's it's very challenging, and having been in the business for a few decades, um, it, we encountered the same thing with influenza. Uh, which we made in the Quebec, our Quebec City plant. It, it is very challenging to stop the, you know, the the theories that go around about vaccines. And the reality is, is that vaccines uh, will not cause the disease you're trying to vaccinate against, um, and they are highly effective. And the COVID vaccine is highly effective. Actually, it's more effective than than the influenza vaccine usually. So, you know, I've had many, many, many debates with people uh, about vaccination uh, for different diseases. And it's hard to change somebody's mind um, when they get something in their head about, about uh, you know, various vaccines. Mm -hmm. And the reality is with COVID, you know, if people 
uh, want to reduce the risk of getting COVID, getting sick, um, they should get vaccinated. It will keep them from getting sick or reduce the effects of them getting sick. It will help keep them out of the hospital if they get sick. It will help keep them out of the ICU, and it may even prevent them dying. Um, and so it's important to get vaccinated, and we need to keep getting that message out to people. Uh, the other thing in Canada that we face, of course, is, you know, with our healthcare system, you know, in crisis right now, and I don't hesitate to use that word because uh, it is, we have to understand that one of the reasons is in crisis is because COVID is still out there. People are going into the hospital. They're still going into the ICU. Uh, and it's influenza season, too. So they're going in the hospitals. And, you know, in the U.S., it's not as big a problem because they have a much bigger hospital capacity than we do in Canada. Our capacity is the lowest in the Western world. So, um, you know, we can't afford to have people getting uh, sick <laughs> and having to go into the hospital. No, we so, can't. again, the best way to prevent that problem and allow the hospitals to do what they should be doing in terms of other procedures best way to prevent that um, is to get vaccinated for COVID or get boosted or whatever. But it's, it's a tough, tough story you yes, know, it to is. get across to people who are skeptics. And we spoke about the healthcare system with the immediate past president and the current president of the Canadian Medical Association earlier on the program today about the healthcare system. Mm. And they're very blunt. They're very, very direct, very straightforward about where the issues are, where the problems are, what needs to be done, and why it's not being done. Paul, one more question. During our conversations earlier on during COVID, you were quite critical of the federal government, as was I, and their, their lack of performance. Um, you know, news releases and, uh, and glossy uh, photographs notwithstanding. Do you feel any better, any more positive about the work they've done, or are they still dragging, lagging? No, I, ha I have to be honest. I mean, they got off to a terrible start, and they weren't exactly transparent with Canadians about what was going on, and there was a lot of politics in their communications. Um, but now, I mean, their role is to buy vaccines and then to provide them to the provinces so that they can get them into arms. And so that process is working pretty well now. You know, they got past the, well, we should buy a Chinese vaccine, and there were other blips and mistakes, you know, along the way. Um, but that that's rolled out now, and the whole process uh, of purchasing and distributing vaccines for COVID is working pretty well like it does for other vaccine programs. So not bad. Okay. On, the, on the production side, because that was the other responsibility the feds had was, remember, we uh, uh, the federal government wanted to invest in Canadian manufacturing because we didn't have enough um, back when COVID started. And they invested in new facilities with uh, Sanofi, Sanofi here in Toronto, Novavax in Montreal, Moderna in Montreal. There's a Mississauga facility, Metacago in Quebec City, Saskatchewan. Those are all facilities that they invested in. So that was a good thing. But what, what's next? I mean, you know, I'm a bit of a skeptic um, because they have, the federal government has spent billions of dollars on vaccines and on Canadian manufacturing. Both of those things were good. Mm -hmm. But have we heard about, you know, have we, have we gotten a report about what's going on with those manufacturing facilities? Are they actually being built? Are they actually capable of producing any vaccines? Um, you know, we haven't seen anything uh, about that. And I'm not sure if we'll ever see anything about that. But, you know, and they did buy billions of dollars worth of vaccines. And it would be good to know 
you know, um, how, how much of what we bought did we use? Right. At the end of the day, they bought seven different vaccines, yeah. but we really only used two, right? We used uh, the Pfizer one and the yeah. Moderna one. It's not a little bit of the AstraZeneca one. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 